do it. Welcome to the Grey Matter podcast. You're with your host, Nick, and I've got our good friend, Ash Dyson. How are you, Ash? Mate, never better. Uh, How are you going? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good. So as the listeners may know, we had Ash on the podcast four or five episodes ago now to have a chat about language and to have a chat about him and his copywriting expertise, his wordsmithing expertise. (laughs) We thought we'd get Ash back on the podcast to have a chat about resumes. So on the back of us launching our new resume and cover letter crafting service, we kind of thought it might be about time to share some of our tips and tricks as a copywriter, Ash, and as a recruiter, me, for how to instantly improve your resume and increase your chances of getting an interview. So for those of you who didn't listen to the episode we had with Ash, do you want to just give a bit of a background on yourself, Ash, to the listeners? Yep, that was... um. A spectacular intro, but I'll I'll add some <laughs> small bits. Yes, yeah, so I'm um, I'm a writer, obviously, and I'm the director of a creative agency called Babel Creative. But um, so with the the resume stuff, we essentially, you know, I see a lot of poorly written resumes, and people that often ask me about improving that purely from a quality of content perspective. And you also would see a lot of resumes and have to do a lot of work in terms of how they actually present to employees and recruiters from a recruitment perspective. And in that sort of disconnect, we saw an opportunity. And so that's how we started working together with those um, with those resumes. So we can actually, the end result is people can have resumes that not only sound good, but actually sound good for the people they need to sound good to, which I suppose is a very simple way of saying that. I'm on here today just to give a few immediate tips on how you can literally walk away and improve the quality of your resume without either of us. <laughs> Perfect. That was that was a very good summary of what's going on, I guess. And Grey Matter Solutions has a recruitment arm that I spend a lot of time working in. So yeah, I've, I've seen plenty of resumes from all sorts of uh, positions, industries, levels. And it's unique what we're doing, Ash, I guess, because Ash's expertise in copywriting and my expertise in, well, being a recruiter, I suppose, and knowing those things to look for, I suppose, in resumes, we, we thought it would be, might be a good idea to sort of combine our expertise. And um, but anyway, we can talk about that later on. We're here to get mm. some short, sharp tips. We've got our top three tips, in fact, to greatly improve your resume without having to speak to me or Ash at all. Mm. This is a giving exercise. This is philanthropy. This is. That's very, <laughs> that's very true. So do you want to start? We might go one for one. Yeah. Okay. So my first tip, and these are all very, very simple, is avoid cliche and avoid convention. So there is like a troubling amount of adherence to convention when when people write. So just because you see something a lot doesn't mean that it's valuable necessarily or should be replicated. You you know, the whole point of a resume, you said it's a a marketing document. The whole point Mm. of a resume is to be distinct. So if you're writing things that everyone else is writing, you instantly become a part of the crowd. So it's from that perspective, it's not valuable either. But mm. cliches, things like, and you know, we went over this in the other podcast, how much I detest seeing it, but things like <laughs> I am, you know, I'm strongly motivated. It, it's not really a meaningful phrase and it's in every single resume ever. There are cliched things about, oh, you know, I'm an effective time manager. And th- there are certain sentences that you'll find in any resume anywhere. And because of that, they sort of lose meaning. So find different ways to say things or just don't say it. You know, if it's not necessarily particular to you or particular to the role that you're going for, don't feel compelled to say it. But that would be my number one tip is steer away from cliche 
and steer away from common sayings and don't feel like they have to be in there because you see them all the time. In fact, yeah. that should be a reason to, to avoid them. Yeah, nice. That's, that's a good <laughs> first tip. And yeah, we certainly do see a lot of cliches and whether that's just general cliches or industry-specific cliches, you're right. They kind of do lose their meaning, don't they? Yeah, well, it's just, it's, it's like when everyone's saying something, it sort of loses its substance. Do mm. you have any other sort of cliches you see? The time management one's a good one. Definitely, yeah, they're strongly motivated. Yeah. A common one. Yeah. Um, oh, the number of times you see that. <laughs> an effective something, like an effective leader. Uh, yeah. And then never quantifying what that means. Yeah. No achievements um, or no. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, you know, we're, we're not knocking people that have this in their resume, but if you are an effective leader, if you are great with time management, perhaps find a different way to say it as long as it's relevant to the role that you're applying for as well. Mm. Um, I totally agree. Or leave it out. Don't say it at all. Yeah. yeah that's a good one. Right. All right. My first tip, remember, as you said, Ash, this is a marketing document. So make sure you have a short overview paragraph about yourself that includes your history, a little bit about your personality uh, and values, and make sure that it could be read by a recruiter or a hiring manager in under 60 seconds. This is because first impressions count. Generally, I'm speaking generally here, most recruiters decide whether to progress you within the first 30 seconds of looking at your resume. These first impressions really do count. I mean, you've got to remember they're looking for similarities between the role they're recruiting and what you've done in the past. And they're more likely looking for reasons to not progress you than to actually progress you. They're looking for the things that will make you ineligible for a role. When we're speaking at this early stage of when they're first reading your resume, they're probably more likely looking for the things that aren't going to progress you. So point being, make sure that this overview paragraph of yourself is succinct and to the point and showcases the best parts of you and uh, and your career so far. So that's my first tip. Nice. Very nicely Come said. On, Ash. Second one, construct meaningful and relevant content, which is very easy to say and a lot harder to do. But mm. what I mean by that is that, you know, if you're applying for a position at a law firm, don't include a big chunk of copy about how you mowed lawns when you were 17, because it's not relevant <laughs> to the position or the environment that you, you yep. want to be and therefore is not going to be meaningful at all for someone reading it. And that applies for anything. You know, it can be quite tough if you're a recent school leaver or if you're you know, 17, 18, 19 and you haven't got a massive work history. It can be a little tough, but the same thing. Don't talk about playing netball in the 15 Cs. You know, it doesn't really matter that you, you know, you might have played first 15 rugby or something if you're applying for you know a reception position or, or so just be mm. be conscious that a lot of that stuff while it is really great for you and it might be an excellent achievement for you it might be totally irrelevant for the position that you're going for and yeah. people will look at it and they just won't care and yeah. again that that's not to devalue the quality of whatever that achievement might be or whatever it is you've done um, again, no one cares. And just be just be conscious of that. So that would be the other thing is we see a lot of resumes where, you know, people are 
applying for accountancy positions and they include waitressing at a, a cafe, you know, when they're much younger, it's just like, mate, just, <laughs> just take it out. It's mm. not, it's not adding value. And if anything, it's detracting. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the argument, the argument the other way, and whilst we understand this argument is, oh, you know, if they were trying to go for an administration position or a graduate role, like, like you were saying in their respective field or industry, and they don't have much to put on there. Oh, well, you know, if I captain the first 15 rugby or I captain my university team, a sport team in something, it shows that I have good teamwork and I can collaborate. But the issue is that's not relevant to the industry. You're probably better off putting in things that you did through university that were relevant to that industry, that role, you know, perhaps you did a course that was really relevant to the particular type of uh, accounting that you're trying to go for. You know, you might have done a course and you might have had to do a two week prac. But I would probably use more industry specific examples and touch on things that you did throughout uni to at least bulk the resume up somewhat. That's probably my tip there for people who have that in there and think that they're doing that for a good reason. I would probably find find other ways to to showcase what you've done and bulk your resume up and expand on, you know, those, even if you only have a few industry specific examples, expand on that. And, you know, yeah. So that would be my, my second point is, is think meaningful and relevant for the industry and for the role, not for what's sort of meaningful and relevant for you necessarily. Cool. Takes away. So my second tip, make sure that you have keywords that are relevant to the job ad or job description sprinkled throughout your resume. If you know you're going for a role that may have a, quite a big number of applicants going for it, whether that's, say, a graduate role or a role in a really competitive industry, the reality is on the first cut to work out what's called a long list, recruiters could, I'm saying could here very carefully, searching through the candidates that have certain keywords in their resumes. So this might mean that you're completely missed just because you don't have some industry specific keywords or keywords that are specific to the job ad or job description. If you don't have them in there, you might be missed. If you're a graduate, the reality is you could be going for an entry level graduate position in a particular industry that might have 500 or more applicants, especially in a major city. That's the reality of it. And the reality is that would take, I can understand why recruiters do this. It would take a lot of hours to go through all those resumes. I understand that. So whether they're doing that or not, in order to make sure that you don't miss out, try and put some keywords in there that you've taken from the job description or at the very least the job ad. That's my second tip. Would you, you know, would you advise other keywords like, uh, like geography? You know, is there anything else that you can think of that? Yes, that's a great point, actually. Yeah, geography. Um, it actually, it might change now that remote working is becoming yeah. more of an um, accepted thing. Mm. Certainly, yeah, including in a location, whether that's location of your last job that you worked or all of your roles or even just somewhere on the page in your resume, you include just your location. That doesn't mean your full home address. Just this city is okay. Don't put your full home address on there as well. There you go. Bonus tip. <laughs> full home address. There's, there's no need for it. Just your city or, you know, if you have to, your suburb. But I would probably steer clear of the home address one for sure. And the last three numbers on your credit card. <laughs> yeah, maybe, 
Yeah, and your pin, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. We'll steer clear of that. <laughs> your number three, Ash. My final one is take the time or get an acquaintance or a work colleague or friend or family member who might be good at this if you know it's not really your strength to proof your resume for basic grammar and spelling errors. Because especially like you were saying, you know, you've got 60 or 30 seconds potentially, but you know, with a lot of jobs, you've got this tiny window to get the attention of a recruiter. If there is a really basic, you know, missing a a punctuation point or there's misspelling of a simple word or, you know, you fail to capitalize something where it should have been or vice versa, it might not seem like a big deal. But in terms of a first impression, the first impression I'm getting in this tiny window of your personality is either you haven't, you know, you're not intelligent enough to get a basic spelling or punctuation or grammar issue correct, which is troubling. Or secondly, you don't have the attention to detail to make sure that there weren't any of those issues in the first place, which also isn't particularly attractive. So it's just, it's a very small thing that can instantly be a very large turnoff for a recruiter or an employer. So just, and it, you know, it's, you can get snow blind, I get, if you've been working on a document, sometimes it can be really nice to just have outside input and insight. So give it to someone else, get them to prove it if you're not comfortable proofing it yourself and make sure there are no basic errors because you'll look like such an idiot if you, you know, get your there, there and theirs mixed up and that can be the difference between getting an interview or not. And that definitely all counts as that first impression of you as a person. <laughs> Just touching on that, what was the phrase there? Snow blind. Snow blind. Yeah, it's when you're like, and I say this as someone who has grown up in hot tropical climates, but... <laughs> I'm quite sure we might have someone calling in to correct me, but it's like when you're driving in like super snowy areas, like the flurries of snow makes it hard to like track where the road is and like track what's happening. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. It's like, because you've been in the environment for so long, you kind of lose track of what's, happening in front of you right yeah good at least that that's how i understand it but i might have that wrong again no i've never heard it before so and that's probably due to me growing up in a (laughs) a hot climate as well so yeah what a brilliant point of irony though if in my point about taking the time to make sure you don't have any errors with (laughs) someone fact check this man yeah i've just failed to correctly define the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the term I was using <laughs> if we've got any of our southern listeners from right down the bottom of Australia where it's nice and cold and perhaps they might get snow, <laughs> make sure you email us with the correct yeah. definition of that term. <laughs> 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 All right. What's your next point? Okay. Your my, ne- my last uh, tip is... Put your education or qualifications right to the end of your resume, the last page of your resume. The only cases, of course, where this rule might be trumped is obviously in roles where you need that qualification as a requirement for the role. But even so, the recruiter or the hiring manager, whoever's going to be reading it, will be looking for that as a requirement to progress you. So they will they'll find it, whether it's on the first or the last page. The reason being is it's crucial that your education is on the first page because you should be filling that first page with important information about your achievements, a short overview of you, and a brief summary, a a snapshot of your last three to four roles that are relative to the role you're applying for, or industry at least. And this is so the person that's reading the resume can imagine you in the role. 
That's the key here. It's so that they can see the relevant information that makes them think, hmm, I can see this person in this role. We need to meet them in person to explore this further. So make sure we're putting our education right at the end on the last page of our resume. That's what I would be advising as my third tip. Very good. We're done. That's it. All right. Very lean, very punchy. And can I also just for the edification of both us and our listeners just interject here quickly by saying that snow blindness is a type of temporary eye damage caused by snow reflecting UV light. (laughs) 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 But I like to think that I had the spirit of the... (laughs) I think you were close enough. Yeah, close enough. It's contextual, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it is. No, very well done. Um, Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ash. Of course. No, thank you. To our listeners, if you do need further help with your resume or cover letter, if these tips aren't enough, we have, of course, launched our resume and cover letter writing service. Me and Ash both combined to deliver these services. So if you are interested in finding out a bit more about that, uh, I'll include a link in the episode notes. uh, So you'll be able to scroll down and find the link there. But if not, head to www.graymattersolutions.com forward slash resume service. Thank you, Ash. Thanks, mate. Lovely to be here again. Thank you for having me. No, that's no worries at all. We'll get you on again soon. And to all our listeners, we'll see you next time on the Grey Matter Podcast.